Ciao, Bella. I am Ronnie and Ryan, love and cosmic coach, and this is the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit. Tune into the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and click the bell to subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. I offer listeners cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, psychic, intuitive, or card readings, or learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today with an Akashic Records reading. Learn more at nevertoolate.biz. May good fortune and magic come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. On today's episode of the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast, I'm going to be speaking with dating coach Debbie Rivers. She's from Australia, and I just love her. She is continually learning the latest advances in how the brain works, especially when it comes to love, so she can share cutting-edge tools. She has a unique approach, applying behavioral science, neuroscience, and attraction strategies that will give her clients everything they need. She's a certified practitioner in coaching, having completed level one and two of the Gottman Method Couples Therapy, a master neurolinguistic programming coach, certified master of MBIT coach, and a certified matchmaker with the Matchmaker Institute of New York. But here's some other fun facts about her. She loves to travel. She's been to 35 countries since she got divorced, and she's loved every moment. She loves to learn and find solutions. She jumped out of a plane, and it made her feel alive. She loves Brussels sprouts, cheese, and cucumber sandwiches. And she loves live music. That is just a little bit about the fabulous Debbie Rivers. And now let's say hello. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. I When I did your podcast, I had so much fun talking to you and I was thinking, oh, you know, I want my listeners to have an opportunity to hear what you think about dating, how you talk to your clients and what your advice is about dating as an adult, right? (laughs) Not like in your 20s or whatever, but really as an adult and not that it couldn't apply, it could still apply. But, you know, I, I love looking at dating from a place of greater consciousness, you know, not just the, um, where you're going to meet the guys or what should you put in your profile, but to really look at this from the bigger perspective and to give it that spiritual twist or angle. So I know one time we were talking about soulmates. I'm not really sure how I feel about soulmates. Sometimes I feel people waste a lot of time looking for that one special idealistic soulmate thing. And then you said also something about a wound mate instead of a soulmate. So let's start with that. So what is that about a wound mate? Wow. Well, it's, it's a really interesting thing. And I agree with you. So many people waste so much time looking for that one perfect soulmate, right? And I don't yeah. believe there's just one perfect person out there for you. And we're not perfect. So I don't imagine how we could attract someone perfect. But I find 
you know, a bit like you, I do tell people the how to date and the profile stuff, but I think the bigger work is when you talk about some of these things and get it right, the relationship comes very easily. But what I do find is instead of a soulmate, people tend to attract a wound mate. So they're coming from how it seems to work is we attract someone who's a match to our soul. So if we go into dating and we're wounded, we're really likely to attract someone who's equally wounded or who's got the opposite wounds to us. So, you know, going into dating, trying to feel better about yourself will often create the opposite effect. You know, you, you might not love and accept yourself, so you're likely to attract someone who doesn't love and accept you back. So you kind of will attract the match for you from your wounds, which is why I like to work with people to get them in a healthy place. And then it's amazing how they will meet the right person and the right fit for them because they've shifted some of the things that are holding them back. That is so good. I love that idea. And just calling it the wound mate makes so much sense and really brings it into focus. You know, it gives it some clarity because I agree with you. I think we often attract when we're, especially when we're not ready, Mm -hmm. we tend to attract people with the same problems, even though they seem incredibly different. And then all of a sudden we get surprised and we're like, oh, darn, that's the same kind of thing again. How did that happen? He seemed so different, you know? Underneath that they're really not different. And it does take a couple of months and you can waste you know, women are always men saying they don't want to waste time. But when you don't, when you're in a hurry, you know, you waste more time. So I really believe in slowing down to save time, right? Yeah. You know, you are so on the money there. I, you know, I'm working with a guy right now and let's hope he doesn't hear this. He's the sweetest guy. He, he's in his thirties and he really just wants to settle down and find a nice woman to be with and somebody to travel and this and that, but he has not done much dating. He's been very sheltered. We'll call it. So he finds some, a woman who will like, will say yes to dates and text him every day. And he's like, woohoo. And I'm like, "Mm, I'd love you to see some other women while we're seeing if this one works out, who else can you date? Did you go on Bumble? Did you, you know, what else are you doing? And this is the second time now he's in, he's attached and he's only had, you know, and it was after two dates. Oh, wow. I know a lot of women who do that as well. They're like, well, let's see where this goes. Let's see where that goes is okay. As long as you're potentially vetting other partners, because you never know who is going to disappear. Who's going to call you again? Who's going to muddle up some date and you're going to look at them and go, oh my gosh, I can't see you anymore. Then you have to start all over. For me, that's what I call serial dating. When you just want to date one person at a time because you're thinking you're in a relationship when you're still back at dating. Dating and being in a relationship, those are not the same thing. No, they're not. You know, I, I often think about dating is, you know, you might have an idea of, the type of jacket you want to wear but then you go try it on and it's just not a good fit for you that that's dating you're kind of working out whether someone is going to be right for you and too many people jump all in yeah and then down the track you know like you say either doesn't work out or they've got that same person that makes them unhappy us thinking 
that relationships are going to make us happy is is not true. They, they can, <laughs> but, you know, they can bring all sorts of stuff up in you. And if you don't deal with that stuff, you're just kind of stuck in that same pattern over and over and over again. One of the other things about it is it requires getting over it again. It requires healing from it. And I find that if you can minimize your initial attachment to stay mm -hmm. a little bit more neutral, I call it positive neutrality, like then... <laughs> then you're not as devastated when it doesn't work out. And hopefully you still are talking to some other people so that you don't have all this downtime where you have to get over it and then pick yourself up again and then yeah. start the process again. I always say, don't leave the process. Keep going until somebody says, let's take our profiles down and be you know, exclusive and when people want to do that on the third date, they just want to sleep with you, you know? <laughs> that, that is Although, I do find a lot of guys, and because and I coach men and women, and I find it quite interesting, that guys really don't want to be perceived as a bad guy. So they don't like dating more than one woman at the same time. They like to focus on one person at a time. And it's not always about sex. They just don't want to be seen as that sleazy guy it often goes against them because they get too invested too quickly. That's fascinating. I wonder if that happens here in the U.S. because I have <laughs> not heard that story out of a man's mouth, but I sure have heard it out of a woman's mouth. So it could be that does happen here too. Uh, Debbie's from Australia, but it could <laughs> be that those are the nice guys. So the nice guys want to be nice. They want to be right. They don't want to appear to be only after one thing or whatever it is. And so they decide to do things what, how they consider the right way by doing one woman at a time. And then they always end up with these women who are, are more like the men. You know what I mean? It's just like... Uh, absolutely. But you know, what a lot of guys say, and they're not just the nice guys, they hear women saying that they don't want players and they don't want sleazy guys. So they go... They feel like they're giving the women what they want by just dating one at a time. But from my experience for the women, they're really put off that the guy's jumping in all in too soon when they don't even know them. So, you know, instead of it coming across as attracted to the women, they're repelled by a guy that goes, you know, I, I'm taking my profile down. I'm solely interested in you. It's too much too soon, right? Isn't that interesting? Because Here's a lot of mindset stuff. We're kind of segueing. It's all about what's hard to get versus what's easy to get. So when something seems too easy and somebody's too into you too quickly, for some people, they love that and they're like, wow, he really likes me or whatever. But for other people, they're like, oh, why is he so nice? Why is he so into me? When I was looking for my husband and dating a lot, I ended up connecting with my high school boyfriend and our timing was off. So we didn't end up dating again. But what happened was I was dating my husband at the time and I just couldn't resist going to see my um, high school boyfriend. And so we became friends and he gave me insight on so many things I didn't know. And one of the things he talked about was, I just don't understand why these women are so after me. You know, they come after me, they invite me to things, they buy me gifts, they buy tickets. And they want me to accompany them or whatever. He goes, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand what they're all over me. They're too into me. And that's the same thing that you're saying 
from the yeah. women's perspective, it's really the same, which is so surprising, but I have found <laughs> that to be very true. So you know, at the end of the day, we're not that different. No one trusts someone that wants something too much without knowing the other person. We all want some degree of difficulty in there. And I, I do find that for a lot of the women in their 40s and 50s, they do what you said to your high school friend. They are so keen. They try so hard because they think there's not many available men. So they go to the nth degree and it repels the guys. It does. It's such a shame. And so it's kind of like talking about energy. You don't want to be chasing somebody around like magnets where you can never catch them because the more you step forward, the more they're going to step back. And this is why I talk about ballroom dancing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I'm very big on ballroom dancing in not for exercise. I don't mean it like that. But in terms of when a woman should step forward, and so in the very beginning of dating, and this isn't for the whole relationship, and this isn't even about relationship, it's about dating the very first few dates, like, you know, six dates, eight dates, something like that. So I always say what can really work, especially for people who are over 40, it's different in the younger groups, no question, but Right now in the over 40 group, watch what a man does, follow his lead. That's what ballroom dancing is all about because you're not going to mess up if you follow yeah. his lead, right? Now, what does that mean? What I'm saying is if he calls you, call him back. If he yeah. texts you, text him back. But if he doesn't call or text you, don't call or text him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Because when you're ballroom dancing, there can only be one leader. And I'm not saying you're a doormat as a woman. I'm just saying, if you want to find out if a man is really interested, stop initiating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. And so that's kind of the magnet thing, because you can't do that dance unless you let him be the lead. And so that's a great opportunity to use your feminine charm. Absolutely. And I don't know if it's the same in the US. I see so many women waste time on guys who are clearly unavailable. Do you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they might be still living with their ex-wife yeah. or, and they go, how do I know? And look, it, it is really obvious. Like you say, if you follow the lead and if he's really interested in you, you'll have no doubt. There right. won't be that anxious questioning that you get from the unavailable man. There won't be. And, and I think it also comes down to, we were talking about frequency. We, we kind of, it's a bit like a radio station. You tune in and you can only get that station if you're exactly on the, you know, we've got a, a radio station 93.7. You can only get it if you're on that frequency. So when you're dating, you're only going to attract people in at that frequency that you're at. So, you know, if you're attracting unavailable people, there'll be something in you that's unavailable, that you're just, you know, attracting on that frequency. And, you know, when I work with people, I'm like, let's look at where you're unavailable and you be what you need to be in the person you're dating if you want to shift that. I, you and I just line up like the stars, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you could just say anything that'd be coming out of my mouth. Honestly, we, I could not okay. agree. Yeah, I, I just totally agree with that because I see it happen over and over again. And it's so interesting because sometimes the women want to wait it out 
and see if he comes around. And I'm like, comes around to what? Because if he if he's not what you want in the beginning, it never gets better. Never. (laughs) In that beginning bit. I don't know. A lot of people say I'm an anxious attachment style. And, you know, as much as that's true, I think sometimes they're anxious because they're putting up with crappy behavior. Do you know what I mean? Acting something, their gut is screaming out. The anxiety comes from the bad behavior of the other person. It's a warning sign. It's not you being anxious. It's like, look at the facts in front of you. When a guy is really there and showing up, there isn't that anxiety. There may be fear. There may be, you know, oh my God, is this going to work out? But there's not that anxiety and that, you know, that horrible feeling that people get. Yeah, that is so true. I think if you're feeling a lot of anxiety, that's a sign. Now, you may have your own anxieties about things, but if a man is really interested, he's not going to leave you hanging. No. I see this happening in different ways. Like for some men, clearly we're talking for women tonight, you know, on our on our podcast, but you know, for some men they just don't know what they want. So they're not trying to be mean to you or treat you poorly or whatever. They just don't know what they want. Or dating's not their priority. Finding love, I mean, they want a woman in their life, but that's not their top priority. They're yeah. really driven. They're committed to their business life and you will always be second. So a lot of times women say, well, I want to be patient because he's a great catch and I don't want to push him and whatever. And I'm like, of course you shouldn't push him. But pay attention, because if you're not number one, you're never going to be number one. It's not going to get better. And this also happens with divorce and children. I do believe that your children need to be a top priority. And if some emergency happens or whatever, then you have to take care of it. But Mm -hmm. if you're in one of those relationships with a man who every time his kids call, he runs off or whatever, that's what it's always going to be like. So I won't comment on what his parenting style is like, because I'm not in that situation. But you need to pay attention to that too. It can take a long time for children to grow up and move out. So, (laughs) you know, if you are always left holding the bag because one of his kids called, I don't know what kind of amount of talking would ever change that behavior. That's what he's going to do because he feels guilty or he feels like that's what he's supposed to do or whatever it is. It's It's nothing against you, but he's demonstrating what his priorities are. If people would just pay attention to that, right? Uh, Absolutely. And you know what I think in that scenario too is men enjoy the company of a nice woman. It doesn't mean they're going to commit to her or make her a priority. So watching that stuff. And and the thing about men that's different to women, and I, I really wish women would get this. As women, we change our priorities. If we meet a man, we'll put aside our dream. We'll, we'll, we'll go, well, we found love, so we'll put that on hold. Men do not do that. Men may meet amazing women, but if it's not the right time, if it's not when they want to do it, they won't do it. And I've talked to many that go, oh, maybe that woman years ago was perfect, but I wasn't ready. So it's almost yep. like when they're ready, it's the woman they meet at that time. So putting up with their stuff and being a second priority, that's all you're ever going to be. They're not going to change. They're not going to commit to you. You know, I think women think if I can win them over, it makes me seem like I've got worth and I'm valuable. But it's not about you. 
It's not about how amazing or how much worth you've got. He's not ready. No. And he won't be ready until he is. And, until and he is. Until he is. And it usually isn't with that woman that waits for him. No. Ever. No. You know, it's just not. It, and, and, you know, women waste the best years of their lives with some of these guys. Very true. And to change that, you, you know, my advice is stop it. <laughs> just stop, stop. it. Like, right. Yeah, I guess it comes from a fear of lack. You know, yeah. there aren't enough men. There aren't enough good men. I won't find another one like this man. It's a shortage that makes mm. people hang in there when things are not right. And, you know, that's another real spiritual principle because if that's your fear, you're not coming from a place of abundance, then you're not seeing yourself as a valuable, worthy woman who deserves the best or who deserves Absolutely. better that goes back to frequency because mm-hmm. you want to really see yourself as the valuable woman that you are because you are worthy of love you're worthy of respect right mm-hmm. I believe that everyone is a powerful manifester right <laughs> we all are but we manifest what we really believe so if you believe there's lack you are going to be a powerful manifester of more lack in your life. So, you know, that's where you attract that in at that frequency. Change that and see abundance and you're going to attract abundance in. But it's often what you believe at a very deep level, not the surface stuff. And it's why affirmations and those things don't work as well because you're coming from a deep inner sense of lack. Yeah, you have to be able to believe it. You can't affirmations are not a band-aid that you can cover up what's holding you back with. Well, I'm just going to be really positive and use all these affirmations because they will boomerang. They will not work and they will get in the way. Sometimes if you reach farther than you believe, you know, like if you have an inner conflict with the affirmation, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's one of the going to make you feel worse, isn't it? It's going to make you and doubt even more and kind of prove what I was right in the first place. This stuff doesn't work. And that breaks my heart so much. I always feel for people who are going through that. So one of the solutions for that is to totally focus on yourself, to lift yourself up because nothing works better than believing in yourself and believing in love and believing in abundance because you really only need one anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Uh, But I just think statistically speaking, there are more available men who could be a match than you could ever imagine. Just statistically speaking, like people say to me, oh, my God, there are no men. There are no men. There's just there's no men where I live, you know, and I've heard that from Alaska to New York to Portugal. You know, it's like it's like statistically impossible. If you were to really use this as a math problem, you would see the silliness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just not true. That's all there is to it. It's just not true. true. And, you know, the the statistics also say and, and those coming out of the U.S. is there are more men that want commitment than women do. So that's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. I love to hear that. So I I think it's like 60 to 70% of men want a committed relationship, and it's much less in the women. So I think a lot of the time women are thinking they're wanting something, but they don't. Or we talked about this earlier, the whole perfection myth. 
that we are expecting someone to be perfect. And if we just chose this perfect person, and you know what? I never thought I was into perfectionism. Like I'm a near enough is good enough person. But I do fall, did fall into the perfection trap after I left my marriage and with whoever, you know, I'm with someone now. And I'm just like, oh, it wasn't as perfect as I imagined it was, but it's, it's good. But, you know, it, it makes you grow. It makes you change. It makes you, relationships is the best personal development we can ever have. That is and, very true. You can think you've got your stuff together when you're single with no one challenging it. You, you don't know until you're in relationship with someone and then all of the stuff comes out, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that one. I know for myself, you know, I've been married for 21 years and I still really have to push myself. Sometimes, you know, my husband will say, he will ask me a question, but then he won't listen to the answer. And so I'm trying to talk to him and he's not listening to me and I'm trying to explain something and he's not listening to me. And so it's easy for me to fly off the handle and get mad. And, you know, so I have from the very beginning, I have pushed myself to avoid all name calling. Mm -hmm. So we don't do that. And then to try to be patient, which I'm not, because <laughs> don't I want somebody to be patient with me? And mm -hmm. I have to push myself to be respectful because sometimes I'm like, how many times do I have to say this or explain it or whatever? And then I'm like, my husband will be, maybe he's at the store. And if he's at the store getting stuff, he could call me five times. <laughs> You know, and so sometimes I'm like, seriously, you can't, you know, and then I think he's at the store, so you don't have to go. You better be nice. <laughs> so, you know, I still have to push myself. This is another thing that I really found fascinating. So I call this dinner date feng shui. Are you familiar with feng shui? Yes. Yep. Great. Yep. I studied a lot of feng shui and I went out to dinner uh, with my husband and another couple. We got there first and I usually, I'm, I'm kind of bold. So I usually walk in and my husband lets me walk in first. And then what happens is they pay the maitre d' or whoever it is, the hostess, they look at me for some reason. And then they talk to me. So that's not good for my husband. So then we're being seated at the table and I always grab what is considered the command position. At a yeah. table, the command position is the seat with your back to the wall, because yeah. um, from ancient times, no one can attack you from behind if there's mm -hmm. a strong wall behind you. That's the command position for one reason. The other reason is you want to be able to see the door. So if you have a seat where your back is to the wall and you can see the entrance, that is the optimal position for safety. So yes. I don't know why it's just instinct. I always sit there. So this time I went, you know, where would you like to sit, honey? And he chose the command position. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's a perfect place for me to roll my masculine energy back in. Right? <laughs> I'm like a little steamroller. I'm not very tall, but watch out and make room for him to be the man and to make that choice and to pick the command yeah. seat. And that's, that's what I call dinner date feng shui because, you know, this kind of energy stuff is everywhere and everything we do. Have you I found mean, that? Uh, it, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when you understand that, it changes everything, doesn't it? 
It does. So it's a constant awareness of, I sometimes think the more emotionally or, you know, emotionally intelligent or aware you are, just the higher level problems that you have. (laughs) Well, you know, in Zen, they say you always have 88 problems. And if you get rid of one, you're going to get another. So just accept it. There's 88 problems. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I, I studied Zen for a little while. You know, you're meditating on your little cushion or your stool and Sometimes I'd fall asleep and my girlfriend would be laughing hysterically because I'd fall off my little stool. Anyway, the adventures of a spiritual seeker. So uh, (laughs) let's see, we've talked about frequency. We've talked about mindset. What else can we talk about mindset? What have you found can be really helpful to shift someone's perspective or open their mind to seeing things in a new way? Does anything come to mind? You know, I I think, like what we focus on we see more of you know I, a couple of years ago I brought a new car and after I brought the new car I saw that car on the road everywhere now yeah. there were no more cars on the road just the part of your brain that pays attention to what's important you know I think there's billions of bits of information it sorts down to 50 bits it shows you what matches what your beliefs and your mindset is now the alternative too is when we try and focus on what we don't want, which I see single people do all the time, they, I don't want to be, I don't want to be controlled again. I don't want to be, you know, minimized. I, wa- I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to lose my freedom. They're focusing so much on what they don't want. And our brain doesn't work that way. So if I told you, no matter what you do, don't focus on a red rose. I don't want you to focus on a red rose. You absolutely focused on the red rose. Because your brain has to do that to be able to see it. So it doesn't work in negatives. So if you've got this negative mindset, you know, all men are terrible. There's no good singles out there. That is exactly what you're going to see evidence of. So shifting that perception, you know, and, and another quick exercise. Sometimes you can get people to go whatever. If you look around the room, look around my room now, I've got lots of red. And if I asked you to count how many bits of red are in my room, you would do that. But if I said, how many pieces of green did you see? Well, you weren't even looking for it. Yeah. So we tend to do that. So once you kind of realize that it's, it's not just spirituality, it's science and how our mind works, that yeah. whatever we think and we believe is what then happens you know like I said we're all powerful manifestors you know if we think that we're not going to find love that we're not going to find love we're going to be true like you know so your mindset plays such a big role and and people want dating tips but to me I'd prefer to look at your mindset because whatever you believe is what you're going to create I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast and she was interviewing a guy and he said, today, your habits today are perfectly positioned to get you the same result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I see that with singles. They're doing it five, 10 years and they're still single. Well, instead of putting the problem outside of you where you've got no control on it, look at yourself first. Look at what you believe. Look at what you think. And not every thought you have is true. And, and people, you know, if you're spiritually aware, and, and I do come across a lot of people that are, and they're applying it to everywhere else, but not love. Miss the love equation out of it. 
if you can manifest your perfect job, you can manifest your your perfect, and there's no perfect partner, but you can manifest the person that's right for you. And, you know, I, I think that there is, there's some work that you do and there's some magic. And, and maybe you deal with a Kashik Records. Sometimes there's unfinished business. So people do come into our lives to learn to grow. Now, if you do not learn your lesson, you're going to keep repeating it. The sooner you learn it, you can move on and change it. But if you don't learn it, it's going to be Groundhog Day, Groundhog Relationship Day. Nothing's going to change. You bring up such an excellent point. One of my favorite all-time topics, of course, is past lives and getting into the Akashic Records. And sometimes that really makes a difference to understand why you're single now. So, um, you know, like I did an Akashic Records reading for one woman about love. And what she discovered was that she'd had many, many lives where she was a servant or she had um, a, just a massive amount of um, children or she had no help or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. so in this life, she just didn't want any encumbrances. She just wanted to be independent and do what she wanted to do and take care of herself. Well, that's a massive conflict with looking for love and wanting to get married and have children, right? The good news is we spent time talking about how you can have a relationship and still be mostly independent. Yeah. And that could free up her energy because she can have the kind of relationship she wants, but she needs the awareness of what she was fighting against. So mm-hmm. when when people allow me to go back into the Akasha Records and look at their past lives and see what happened in the past that's creating where you are now, what is contributing to that, that makes yeah. a huge difference. So one question I have for you, you know, when people have that conflict between they want freedom and they want love. You know, they're two conflicting viewpoints. Yeah. You know, if, if I, and I found it myself for a lot of years, I valued freedom so highly that I didn't want, want to compromise for love because it does take some compromise. It does take sure. two, two people. How do you work with people when they've got that conflict? You know, it depends on how open they are because mm-hmm. if they're open to the idea of I really do want love and maybe there's some places I can yield without having to yield everything. There might be places where compromise is possible. And if they're willing to consider what is possible, the other thing is relationships look very different today. Like, I don't know about um, where you are, but definitely in the US, I think in, in, especially in the Scandinavian countries, there's a lot of people who, live together, aren't married. In the U.S., there's a lot of people who live together apart. They spend time at each other's places, but they still keep their own apartments. So that's that retains an enormous amount of freedom because you still get to decorate the way you want. You still get to put your TV where you want it and watch whatever you want on TV. And then you come together and you have your compromise time where you have to negotiate maybe or whatever, but maybe it's not even that hard because you know you can go Mm -hmm. back to your place and do things your way and eat a bowl of cereal if that's what you want for dinner. So much more is possible with today, the way things are, that if they're willing to really look at that, I think it's pretty much possible to get any kind of relationship that you want. 
I look, and I think so. And I think being clear about what you want a relationship to look like to start with, and many people aren't. You know, I see women lose themselves. <laughs> we have football teams here, so changing their football team depending on who they date. So, yeah. you know, they adapt yeah. rather than going, what is it I want? What do I want to feel? And Although I, I do think a lot of people expect so much from a relationship in the modern world, right? Where we want them to, to challenge us, but we want them to make us grow. We want them to be good communicators. We want them, we want to have brilliant sex all the time. It's a lot of pressure on one relationship that is, is kind of unrealistic. Really. Yeah, I'm totally in your corner there. You know, your relationship will never be everything. It can't be everything because that's why you have other relationships in your life. You have family, you have girlfriends, you have colleagues. Everybody serves a different purpose. And even your friends all serve different purposes in your life. You have one friend who you may play tennis with and another friend who you want to talk about books and movies or another friend that you just want to go out on the town with. All of your friends don't serve the same purpose either. So asking your man to do everything you know, check every box is not realistic. And I have had this conversation again with my husband because I always tell him how women tell me they want like this incredible intellectual kind of connection where they can really have deep, mind-blowing conversation. And then he and I, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, but he and I start laughing because we never have deep, mind-blowing conversation ever. <laughs> he, you know, he is not interested in that. And I have that with my girlfriends. I have all these deep spiritual talks with them. But what I have with my husband is he makes faces at me and is silly. He makes me laugh. He wants to snuggle. He always wants to put his arm around me or hold my hand or whatever, but not in a smothering way, in just the most adorable way. So no, I'm not going to have mind-blowing deep conversations with my husband. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that's why I think women have these, and men do too, right? It's it's not just it's not just women. No, I just no. That event where where a man said to me, he you know in five minutes he wanted someone that was intelligent, kind, and fun, and I'm like, how can someone show those three things in five minutes? Like in five minutes? Five minutes? Like it's a high expectation, and people do go into you know a coffee date expecting that this guy is going to be intelligent he's going to make me laugh he's going to do all these things I, I do believe opposites attract you know my partner does make me laugh I can be overly serious and how things work he can make me laugh and I need that yeah I can bring the serious side to him and he goes oh, I hadn't thought about that and you know just how differently men and women work anyway is I, I think as women we sometimes expect our men to be hairy women and they're not <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, I have one more really good question. I've heard this over the years at 20, you know, on and on again. And, and here it is, you know, why do I have to do all this work? It's easy for some people. And what do the men have to do? They're not writing great profiles and they're not getting super good pictures taken. And why do I have to do all the work? I love that question. Well, you know what? We only have control over us. If we're not yeah. getting the results, we look at us. You know, there's one thing that's in common in all of your relationships. The common denominator is, is you, right? Yeah. So if you want to change something, you have to look at you. If you put the 
blame out there, you're not in a powerful position to change it. And, you know, men are experiencing, because I work with a lot of men, a lot of rejection, a lot of... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's really tough being a single man nowadays. Yeah. I do feel, I really feel for them. And they're not as aware. They, they don't, a lot of them are getting help because they don't know what they don't know. I find men are more likely to pay for coaching. So ladies, you are not the only ones doing the work. There are plenty of men out there doing work too. But, you know... Who cares what they're doing? If you want to meet the right man, look at what you can do to make that happen. You don't want to waste another five, 10 years putting the blame out there at all. Yeah, very good. I also say, why do you have to do the work? Because you're the one that wants love. Absolutely. And so it takes work. It's not a one, two, three instant thing or you wouldn't need me. (laughs) That's, That's true. And you know what? When people do it by themselves, it's a bit like I can go to a personal trainer and go exercise and not get that exercise right, get no results. Sometimes going and knowing how to do something changes everything. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that is so true. And I feel like when you work with a coach, you're going to get some vital shortcuts. Yeah. That you'll never catch on to I think on your own, unless you date like a hundred guys, like if you really were a dating machine and dated a lot, many of these things would become clear to you. But you and I, we've had experience watching all of our clients, plus our own life experience, plus all the stuff we read and digest. And, you know, we're, we're completely steeped in this all the time. You know, it's not just our thing we do when we go out on a date, we do this all the time. So we know we've seen, and that's why we can save people heartache, angst, frustration, and from stepping in giant potholes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's really amazing. I've worked with a couple of people just in the last week where they've done really small shifts and, and they're getting like good matches online. (laughs) Last night he goes, I had no idea. He goes, you've changed my perspective. In one conversation, he goes, I didn't realize, you know, and it, it, it's really interesting. And at the end of the year, I was focusing on my clients last year, the ones that got results, right? Particularly the women that got results. And it all came down to their mindset, how they did dating. They were warm and friendly and kind, had fun with the process. They're all in wonderful relationships with, with really good men. And there is no lack of good men. And I see this all the time because, you know, I've run events for 10 years, plus I do dating coaching. So I see that women have this ability to choose the jerk. They miss the good guys and they get fooled by the guy, the player, the narcissist, the guy that that likes to be with women is so well practiced in what it takes to do that, that they fall for that. Your average guy doesn't know what we want as women, doesn't really get it right. So yeah. sometimes they're choosing these top 5% of guys and they're missing the other 30% yeah. that are really the best stuff, right? Like yes. There is missing the gold because of all of their perfection, their checklist, their, you know, mindset around it. And it, it really doesn't have to be that way. But yeah, it's fascinating how women are still drawn to the bad guy. And, yeah. and they have 15 guys in front of them. And, and they'll choose the one. And because, you know, sometimes guys come back to events, I'm like, mm, 
I wouldn't choose him. And he'd be the most popular guy always at the dating event. It's hum- partly human nature. But yeah. between you and I, we want nothing but our clients to be happy, our clients yeah. to find love. And whether you, even if you're not a client, we don't care. We like to me, you and I, we're doing this because we believe in love. Yeah. And we want to see people who want to find love to find it. So we don't mean to be here picking on any women or men who haven't gotten it right. We're just trying to show how much we care that we can help you identify these clear mistakes, turn them around. So ultimately you can get what you want. That's all we really care about. Absolutely. And you know, it breaks my heart when people are are lonely out there and that yeah. they, they, and it, it really does and it, I know it doesn't have to be that way that like you say love is possible at any age at any, any age and I'll tell you something else 2020 was the year of the pandemic and in 2020 I had more of my old clients write to me and tell me they got married or they found love than in any other of the years I'd been in business. I'm like, how is this possible? They were coming out of the woodwork to let me know, oh, I forgot to tell you, you know, (laughs) I found love and I found it and I found the right guy and I'm moving here and I'm doing this. I'm like, oh my gosh, in that year of COVID, the first one we had to go through, people found love. And so we're still in COVID. And so I just want to say, you can still find love because as you were pointing out earlier, there is definitely a big crop of men that want a relationship. So your job, if you want a relationship, is to open your mind, open your eyes and open your heart so yes. that you can notice these quality guys who might not be as charming as some actor, you know, they're not all George Clooney or whoever, Tatum Channing or whatever it is, you know, but they are earnest in their desire to make you happy and to be in love with you and to be in relationships. So ultimately that's what really counts the most. So Debbie, I'm, this was awesome. Do you have a gift you want to share or something you want to share with the listeners? Over the the last couple of months, I've put together, you know, I know that coaching isn't affordable for anyone, right? I've put together a program that goes through, you know, what a relationship is. And, and, you know, there's there's stats that say 69% of conflict in a relationship is unsolvable from the Gottmans. And, and, you know, like, wow, yes, it's huge. And I think sometimes we expect it to be conflict-free, whereas it's not going to be the case. So I've put together a program that you might get if you came to coaching. So if you want a tool that you can go through to choose the right person for you and have a reusable matrix that you can use to make sure that who we choose to be with has the biggest impact on our life over anything. They found over 178 couples over like 40 years that we become like the person we're with. So even our intelligent levels become the same. So who you choose to be with can be who you choose to become. So a lot of people are choosing on looks and income and education level. However, emotional, ki- emotional intelligence, kindness, 
trustworthy are the components that you want for a long-term relationship yeah so in the, but I've put together this program and it's half price for anyone listening to this and in Australia dollars it's about $97 at half price so US is probably about $70 and yeah is something that you will use, reuse, and will be invaluable to you to be able to trust your own intuition when it comes to who you're dating and avoid some of the pitfalls we talked about today. Oh, that sounds fantastic. All right. Well, there will be a link in the show notes. So look for that beneath the description so that you can get Debbie's gift at half price. Fantastic. And just great timing with uh, Valentine's Day around the corner. So thank you so much, Debbie. This was fantastic. I know we could probably talk for eight hours straight, but we are going to draw to a close. And I greatly appreciate everything you had to say and you being here with uh, me on the show today. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. And we'll, we'll need to do this again. I'll have to get you back on mine because like you said, we're very like-minded and it's so... Yeah, it's so good to be talking and being on the same page. It is. It's wonderful. And I so appreciate you. This is Ronnie and Ryan, love and cosmic coach, thanking you for listening today. If you'd like cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, a psychic, intuitive, or card reading, or to learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today, with an Akashic Records reading, please visit nevertoolate.biz. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe and share it with someone that you love. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Ronnie and Ryan hoping you make the most of the love and magic that always surrounds you.